Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool All about the bouncing master Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget Used to keep it cool Happy Valentine's Day, Todd. Can you feel the love today? Only four days out from the third best holiday of the entire calendar year. Yes. Uh, I think the love is going to be immensely big now because of uh, – well, the great thing is it's on a weekend, so it helps out. Plus, True. Um, the uh, the nation, or at least the Midwest, is locked into a polar vortex right now as we look outside <laughs> in um, a cloudy day here in uh, – southern southwestern uh, minneapolis suburb of bloomington i'm sure the temperature is probably around zero but hey we're going to bring sunshine with episode number four of uh the third season of uh, her eyes or five depending on who you are welcome aboard this is todd Houck with uh, peter odney what's going on where we have this podcast that we like to sit around and we like to discuss topics that focus on Girls hockey, uh, especially with the focus a lot on uh, high school hockey, but um, we also chat about uh, other things, games, players, hot topics, anything related to the coolest game on ice. We are prod- Like I said, we're podcasting here live at Studio 1A, the YHH home office, where we are proudly sponsored by the Minnesotan. Woo! Have you got a chance to get some of their gear yet? I know we've been talking about that once or twice. No, I've got my eye on one piece in particular. Maybe I'm hoping that the sponsor will... Jump oh, out for me right. and just send me a free one. That's the jacket one, that, right? Uh, that University of Minnesota yeah. satin varsity baseball jacket, whatever the heck it's called, but the uh, the maroon gopher one. Yeah. Well, hey, if you folks go to the website, uh, there's a, there's some really cool stuff on there. There's some classic. Right now they've got a U of M satin hat that's going for a really nice deal. It looks it's a really nice cool. hat. It's a really nice deal. And they also got some other cool things, and vintage rock and roll T-shirts, old school, high school T-shirts. And if you're not really into the high school – um, spirit well, as we like to say in the business, hey, there's some really cool things on there that you can get, you know, long sleeves, zippies, uh, pom-pom hats, all that good stuff. But, hey, also if you throw out the OYHH code, you can save 15% on your lovely significant other if you want to get them something special. Down, Valentine's. Yes, in downtown White Bear. Go so on a romantic date. You could go walk around historic downtown White Bear Lake, yes. make a stop at the Minnesotan, be a happy Valentine's Day for all. It would be. Hey, let's speak about some happy happy times going on right now. Uh, that's obviously because we're playing. I guess, can we not say that? It is a happy time in high school land here uh, in the great state of Minnesota. But let's go further with that as we kind of do a little recap of Peter's top 10. Ooh, a rankings recap. Yeah, I let's like see. It. Which one do you want to start with? you want to start with the doubles or the singles? Uh, I'm going to start with the doubles like we always do. I don't have a ton of change in the top four. I made the point. Uh, in the rankings published on youthhockeyup.com that I wasn't going to move Minnetonka or Hillmary down based on one-goal losses against Edina. I mean, losing to Edina just makes you like everybody else the Hornets have played. The Hornets are undefeated. And I think I mentioned this yesterday during 10 minutes with Tony Scott that if Andover wasn't Andover and I hadn't seen them play before Mm -hmm. and knew how dominant they were and just how good they could be if they'd played a normal schedule this year, Edina might have a better body of work because Edina is going up against Tonka and Hill Murray and Eden Prairie and, and Wyzetta. They're yeah. playing through the Lake Conference. So if you go by uh, strength of schedule, Edina has the edge. But I got a hard time knocking the number one team out, especially when they're still undefeated. 
It's like, like an, Andover. I was looking at those because I always like to peek at them a little ahead of time, so I'm obviously prepared for the show, and we keep track of it. And literally, you look at that top five, and it's like an iceberg just sitting there. They might lose a little snow off the top of the iceberg, but the iceberg has not moved any place, especially those, t- well, in this case, top five for the week, but those top two, top three, especially including Minnetonka, that berg is going nowhere right now. The berg is going nowhere. No, but I think it's it's a nice conversation to have. Say, is it better for Andover to kind of beat lesser teams or not as as, as skilled teams as Andover is by 7-8-1 and eight, one deficits or – you know, Edina beating Minnetonka, for example, three two in a you know in a good late conference battle. That's your strength of schedule, which which is, is uh, out of Andover's control. Correct. I mean, the, the Northwest Suburban swings a little bit like Northern Minnesota, where the talent comes in cycles. Mm-hmm. Some years the Northwest Suburban is right on par with the late conference. I think that the Northwest Suburban is really young right now, which might lead to some of these lopsided scores for yes. Andover. Correct. Well, let's not forget that Andover hung. Uh, seven, I believe it was seven, on Maple Grove, which isn't a bad no, that's team. No, that's a quality win right so, there. I mean, they're playing who they have to play. I understand it, but when it comes down to a postseason run, I think Edina is uh, better prepared. I agree with you. Yep, as you get closer to, say, sections. Yeah, as you get through through the section tournament, once you get to the, the state tournament, strength of schedule does come into play. Yep, and experience. Yep, I agree with you 100%. All right, how about the back five then? I don't think – do we hit the back five yet? Uh, back five, not a ton of change. Maple Grove still hanging in there at number five. Benilde at six, Stillwater at seven, Roseau at eight. Uh, Centennial Blaine flip-flop spots <laughs> for this week. Um, I think this – it just comes down to me having more faith in the Northwest Suburban than I do the South Suburban Conference because you can make a case for Lakeville South – uh, prior to Lakeville South's win over Burnsville, you could have made a case for Burnsville to take over that number 10 or number 9 spot. Uh, I think that Centennial and Blaine have better goaltenders, Caitlin Gross for the Cougars and Haley Hansen for the Bengals. Oh, for so that sure. gives them the edge when duking it out for those last two spots. So I'll go with the Cougars and the Bengals for now. We'll see what uh, And Burnsville what was changes. in the 10th spot last week until I jinxed them. Yeah, until you ruined it. I ruined it. Um, but... Uh, we move on to the yep. Class A rankings. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because yeah. I was going to go someplace else, but uh, I hit a detour, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop before I fall. Well, the Class A rankings is where we've got our biggest change. Gentry goes from unranked, and no, it's not because I was ignoring Gentry. Where are they at? Wasn't ignoring them. Uh, they upend number one, Warroad, three to one. We'll have some notes on Gentry coming up a little later on in the show. Um, honestly, I was more surprised by the shot count. In this game, then oh, yeah, that's the right. win for Gentry. I mean, Warroad, that's a long bus ride. The Warriors are used to traveling for their games, but anything can happen when you drive eight hours, hop off the bus, and play. So Gentry out shooting the Warriors 36-25. to Warroad goaltender Kendra Nordic, the highest number of shots that she'd faced prior to that game was 22. 22. 22. So those 36 shots he, she faced against Gentry – uh, represent like 35% of her total shots for the season. Maybe she was cold going in. I don't know. Maybe Gentry really is that good. But based on Warroad's proven track record of success, we're going to leave the Warriors at number one for right now. Gentry basically 1B, uh, Breckett 3, Proctor Hermantown at 4, Mount West Tonka at 5. And that rounds out our rankings rundown, I believe. That rounds it out, yeah. It was the interesting thing about Pro- uh, Proctor Hermantown. I know they won on Tuesday. And, again, we, we pushed this one out a little bit just because of a busy week, and normally we're on Wednesdays. Um, but 
you know, Proctor Hermantown always played five games so far because they mm-hmm. went through a little bit of a spell in the beginning of the season getting going. So it's, it's still not mis- misleading because they're still one of the best teams in that, that part of the state, no doubt about it. But it's just kind of interesting how they've only played five games and everybody else has pretty much got the eight or nine games in in the bank. I don't think – I think for the most part – I know on the boys' side, I know that uh, Danny, Carl, and Tony always have the weekly, you know, COVID <laughs> update <laughs> where there's always one or two teams that have always – that you know they're, they're out of dealing with out it. of commission and they can't play games and then you're on a you know a two week hiatus but right. I think for the most part I think the girls have been girls high school I think's been you know been able to play most of the games I know you got some postponements here and there once in a while but I don't think there's a team that's been totally knocked out of it for the most part so that's I think going forward knock on wood that's I think that's a good thing so yep. anyway Proctor get some more games but you will don't worry about <laughs> that all right hey uh, speaking of games we had some games we talked about last week a little bit we want to kind of recap those a little bit um, since we had some games we thought that were going to be really big ones and then um, so me and Peter can kind of shoot back and forth as we go through those games and these are games that we felt were really uh, big matchups and uh, most of them turned out to be just that uh, they were big matchups really none of them was a blowout one was a kind of a not a blowout but it was a bigger deficit I think than we were anticipating but anyway we'll slap uh, right away we'll go with Idana beating uh, Hill Murray in a one nothing battle which is a, a good good win for them Hill Murray was on the on the on the climb not really losing their spot as they are still at number four but um, you could also make the argument that it's a good loss for Hill Murray well, allowing t- just one goal against the high-flying Hornets Grace Jean the freshman goaltender for the Pioneers 27 saves on 28 shots Emma Connor had a lone goal for Edina in that win. So um, good for Edina for getting the win over a top five team. Good for Hill Murray for only giving up one goal. Obviously, they would have rather had the win, but uh, you, losing one to nothing to Edina is nothing to. No, you can put a star by that one. Nothing to that's, sneeze at. That's a good loss, even though I'm sure a loss doesn't feel good. And again, that's another good one too. It's like, yeah, you like to win, but um, going down the road, that's going to have a good feeling. And going to other teams, knowing you played that hard against Edina, I, I, you got to have a good feeling about yourself. And the way their team is playing. Another game that was uh, a little bit of a shock, but not too much, was Wyzetta beating uh, Holy Family 2-1. I think we talked a little bit about uh, Wyzetta and EP. Remember we were saying, oh, they get that next win. It's going to be a big one. It's going to catapult them. They're going to be you know, moving up the late conference and trying to catch the Hornets and the Skippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it ended up in a tie. <laughs> so both EP and Wyzetta are not having, I think, the, the season they're hoping to have right now. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good win for Wyzetta. Uh, with a with a close win, especially in a western suburb team like Holy Family, usually has got a really um, has a really solid team. So yeah, another good goaltending performance. Annika Lavender, thirty saves on thirty one shots for the Trojan Greta for the Trojans. Greta Branton, the Clarkson commit scores both goals for Wyzetta. Trojans still fighting to find some scoring behind Branton and Sloan Matthews, but if they can find maybe one or two more supporting characters on that offense. Uh, they could be a force to be reckoned with. They got a nice coaching staff. They got solid goaltending. It looks like so. Don't count the Trojans out just yet. No, nope. We will not do that. Uh, and then a game that was a uh, probably the biggest game I think of the weekend or since last time we talked with you was that Gentry win over Warroad. Mm-hmm. Um, as Peter had the good statistics, and that was kind of the coming out party, if I can say, for Gentry. Everybody's like, who is this Gentry? And again... It was one way to introduce themselves to the rest of the state. I think so, because I think if you look at them, there, nobody's on that marquee team. You're going, oh, I, I've been watching so-and-so since she was a you know she was a, a 12 or so-and-so was a 10, and some of these other squads like Idana and Hill Murray and you know, Andover. We've seen these girls since you know they're playing either YJH events or we've seen them in 10s and 12s and playing a state, but Gentry like who is gentry well it might be an advantage that they have over the rest of the state they, oh for sure there's not a ton of game tape to go back to 
nope. for Gentry. So maybe they have the advantage of surprising some of the state's uh, more established programs. I think so. And obviously uh, – a good victory over them. It would be fun for them to play again and say, like, if Gentry did the old, hey, now we're going to go north and say if they got the old Rosa World uh, weekend series would, be, oh, would the, be fun. the northern swing. Yes, that'd be great. I mean, you're <laughs> going to go north, you might as well play two games. But um, but for now, Gentry can definitely feel good about that win. Speaking of the northern teams, uh, I just said that Rosa, they had a nice victory this, this past week over uh, Grand Rapids Greenway, 4-3. That definitely helps them to stay in that uh, in the top ten for sure. Uh, Rose over Grand Rapids Greenway. Yep. Sorry, I got distracted. By no, that's right. That was my fault. By some dust on my computer screen. Oh. And, uh, two goals in the third period for the Rams in the comeback victory. Kate Helgeson and Memphis Mertens each had three points. Grand Rapids Greenway goaltender Kenny Martinson, 30 saves on 34 shots. Nice to see the Lightning play somebody. Yes. I mean, beating Superior 16 to nothing might look really good on the score sheet, but you only get better playing better competition, so... Um, good on the Lightning for sticking with Rozo. I thought this game, based on the strength of schedule, based on the overall depth of the rosters, I thought Rozo um, might be able to pull away from the Lightning a little bit. But yep. Grand Rapids Greenway hanging around. They'll be they'll be a factor in seven double A for sections. Oh, for sure, for sure, definitely going to be up there. Uh, and then uh, a nice battle uh, was the Stillwater Flake, as some people <laughs> like to call them, but it's Forest Lake uh, in a four four matchup tie. Uh, you can say a good win on uh, a good tie for one team. I think Stillwater probably would probably m- more benefit from the victory. Yeah. Some may just say, like, gosh, you really should have beat that team. And Forest Lake, I think they're still trying to find themselves just a little bit this year. I don't think they're quite the dominating Forest Lake that they've been in the past. No. So that might be a little bit of a shocker. So good for the Rangers, the Ponies. Probably wish they had that one. Yeah, if the Ponies beat Forest Lake 7-1 to one in the season opener way, way back on January 14th. It feels oh like it was forever was, ago. That'll be a month ago on Sunday. The the they tie play. doesn't worry me so much as the slow start does for the Ponies. They went down 4 to nothing before they even got on the board. So they show that they can score <clears> in bunches. Morgan Wallers, Wallers had a couple of goals in this one. They score four times to force the tie. But giving up four straight goals against Forest Lake against a team that you beat by six three weeks ago, um, not a not a great start for Stillwater. I'm sure they'll figure it out, but uh, tying Forest Lake not the ideal outcome from that game. But Forest Lake, it might they might have their uh, their successor to. Oh my gosh, what is her name? I just lost it. Who was the goalie last year for Forest Lake? Oh, my gosh. My brain just turned off. For what s- just happened? Oh, Allie Gaynor. Gaynor. Jeez. Alligator. Well, I'm thinking of all the goalies that have come through the Forest Lake system. Josie Bothan for a little while. Yep. Allie Gaynor last year. Uh, Adria Haley. My numbers right here say uh, 31 saves for Haley during the game. So maybe they found their successor to Gaynor. I don't know. Um, Speaking of Josie uh, Bothan, I hope I say that right. She had the win last night in in uh, Penn State's Penn State. victory. Yeah, she played the. It was weird because I was looking at the box score. I was you know looking at the uh, you know the only one um, women's college game last night, and so they beat RIT. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like kind of looking like they had both goalies, and then she had like forty minutes, and the other guy had like twenty minutes. I'm like, I really had a dig, and it's as much I want to say. You know how it is. It's tough to find that college women's box scores, and really they're the most accurate one. Yeah, I'm but anyway, um, anyway, so congrats to Josie on on the victory yesterday. She had 13 saves, I believe, and gave up zero goals. Nice. As the Nittany Lions won. Um, Where are we at? We're at the Minnetonka-Wyzetta game. All right. Minnetonka thumped okay. them a little bit, and 
I think 4 1's kind of a thump. Again, Wyzetta was hoping to have that good feeling after the Holy Family win, but then, of course, they run into the Skippers, and the Skippers are loaded from head to toe. And I think, and I, I think the the one person that I think is going to be the shocker, and all of a sudden her 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 head is her her name, name is, is escaping escaped you. Escaped me right now. I'm talking about Kendra Distad. No, not Distad. She had a hat trick in that one. She did. That's that was kind of her um, her coming out party, if I would, because uh, she's a newly transfer from Burnsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, why can't I think of her name? The other their leading scorer, basically. I'm drawing a blank. Grace on. Sedura. Sedura had two assists. Yes. I. I've been impressed with her so far, even though I've not seen her person, but I'm just saying. I mean, uh, she's a junior, I believe. I think she's a Junior, sophomore, sophomore one of the two. Um, leading the team with uh, 11 goals and nine assists right now and 20 points. So that's pretty nice. She's kind of just taken over that lead um, okay, she for is, the skippers. She team. is a sophomore. You were right. She's a 23. So I was trying to think, you know, was it 23 or 22? And I was like, you know, I'm trying to do everything off the top of my head. Sometimes I can do that. Sometimes not. No, I know it's Thursday. We're uh, we're on an interesting schedule this week. We're on an interesting the, uh, schedule. We got a tournament starting tomorrow morning, which and we're waiting for the sun to shine to maybe give us out of funk. But one team that uh, in two quick ones I'll throw out there too uh, is the Centennial shutout of Blaine. That's on a big one. Tuesday, I think that was a big one, and that was kind of a nice. Hey, Centennials for reals. That's a little teaser. We're going to chat about Centennials a little bit later on the show. Yep. Uh, but Centennial shutting out, you know, powerful Blaine uh, and Haley H- Hansen. Um, so that's a, a good win for the Cougars of Centennial. Yeah, freshman goaltender Caitlin Gross. She's been a stud all season. She's got some of the best numbers in the Northwest Suburban Conference. She had 22 saves to earn the shutout for the Cougars. Boom. And then the last one I'll bring up, just because these are a couple of them we didn't talk about last week, but they occurred, is the Adana over Minnetonka 3-2. Vivian Jungles gets the assist trick. She assists on all three goals. And Adana, again, showing their force over the skippers and telling them we are number one in Lake Conference. We will beat you every chance we get. But it's always it's fun when it's a nice close game as opposed to, you know, blowouts. But yeah, caught that game on Minnesota hockey TV. I liked what I saw out of both teams. It just feels like Edina has this system that this machine that might be unbeatable for the remainder of the year. But Minnetonka looks good. They're still fairly young. I mean it's something to remember that Lindsay Avar uh, this is her first year at the high school level. Lauren Goldsworthy, it's her first year at the high school level. Grace Sedura is just a sophomore. Kendra Distad is, um, I think she's also, I can never keep it straight. I think because girls a- hockey goes by the birth years and boys goes by their year in school. In any case, the Skippers are one of the youngest teams in the state. And if they're able to produce like this as underclassmen, I can only imagine what they'll be able to do as upperclassmen. Kendra Distead is a, let's see, she'd be a sophomore. Yep, she's a sophomore. She's a 2024 grad. Okay. So that would be a sophomore. 21 is a senior, 22 is a junior, 23 is yep. a sophomore, 24 is a freshman. Used to be a really easy when I had two in high school, and now I have one, so i got to focus on that he's a 22 grad. Well, it also used to be really easy when people just put the, put the number grade down. that they're in. Yeah, and then they got to screw us up. They got to have a twenty-five in there. Now you really have to do your math. Like that's how, an eighth grader. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, because we've been staring at the years now for <laughs> f- two minutes and wasting the the listeners' time. The listeners' time. It's all right. We'll move. Uh, we'll move on to radar teams. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's let's talk about big some games. big games. Big now, games. Now, folks, I want you to know if you have a team that you love and care and cheer for, we root for you one hundred percent. There was a lot of maybes, and there was a lot of games that we peaked at between now and. Sunday, Monday, going, oh, Peter, you think that's going to be a good game? And Peter would go, mm. 
when Peter makes that noise, then it's then it's kind of like oh, not really a great matchup. So we wanted to focus on three games that we feel are if we could open up the doors. If I could go anywhere, if I could have full Monty attendance, these are three games you have to see. And guess what, folks? They're all on Saturday. So if you got hockey TV, all on Saturday, and it works for you because I know some folks are having some trouble with the hockey TV broadcast. You got to watch these. So the first one I toss at you is Benilde at Pagel taking on the Skippers. It's going to be another matchup where Benilde's defenders are going to go up against a really, really good forward crop who's going to win the little teeter-totter of momentum, defense versus offense. This should be a good game. I think it might be a little lower scoring just given how Benilde plays and given their good goaltending and their good defenders. Uh, Last season, Tonka beat Benilde both times, but here's the deal. They beat him by a lot the first time. They beat him by five or six, and then in the second game, they only won by one. Mm. So Benilde, one of those teams that's going to improve game to game against specific opponents. These two teams have the unenviable scheduling position of playing each other twice in one week. They will play on the 13th, and then they will play again on the 20th. So it'll be I'll be more interested to see game two as opposed to game one, but uh, getting a good sample size out of both teams is Im- imperative. That's so, the word I'm looking for, imperative to making a drawn conclusion. So concluding on that game, who do you like? I like Tonka in this game. I just don't know if Benilde has the offensive horses to put more than two on the board, and I think you're going to need at least two to you, top the skippers. You took it right on my head. Normally I would take defense, 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 because I always say defense wins championships. It really mm-hmm. does. But I feel that the defensive, the defensive, especially goaltending and the defense for Minnetonka is going to be a little stronger. And then guess what? When you have both teams have good defense, somebody's got to put the puck in the net. And I think Tonka's got better scoring forwards, especially with Sedura and Distad. I think that's going to be the edge as the blue beats the red. All right. I like it. All right. Uh, next one is over on the east side, even <laughs> further than, than – uh, even um, further than my beloved east side of St. Paul. Right, or even best St. Paul, as our friends over at uh, MAP. Like, um, Stillwater, <laughs> the Ponies travel to Vandis Heights, I believe, is where they play their home games. Yep, the TCO Sports Garden, which includes uh, some sort of restaurant grill, a sporting goods store, which is actually owned, Revolution Sporting Goods, which is quick plug, owned by two St. Bernard's alums, and then the, um, the Vandis Heights Ice Arena. Yes, so the... Stars and the Ponies. Stars and the Ponies. What do you like in that one? I'm going to go with the Ponies. I don't know if Lightning can strike twice, and maybe Lightning for Gentry isn't just beating Warroad. Maybe they really are that good. This is a game I wish I could uh, I might be able to get to this one. Tony I and I talked yesterday, and we were looking at the schedule, and we thought if I ducked out of the uh, the gubbler, got gubbler. Oh, my god! The gubbler. The gobbler. If I check out of that one early, I might be able to get to this game. Um I think Stillwater has a better first line than Gentry's first line. Uh, former Gentry standout goaltender Lily Timmons is now the netminder over at Stillwater. She might be playing with a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. I'm going to take the ponies in this one. Gosh darn it. I want to go against it, but I just I just am not sold on Gentry. And I know they've popped up and they yeah. did take down Warroad. Um, but I think back-to-back heavyweights, if I can say that, um, I think Stillwater is going to get their, their mojo back. Um I don't think they're going to – I'll be brave in saying this. I don't think they're going to give up four goals in the first period. No, I don't think. <laughs> Before Nip they score. Out with Mira behind the bench, I don't think they'll do that. 
for no. the rest of their lives. <laughs> Natural born life. You hear that, gals? Never no again. more four goal deficits. All right. Now, as we went from the west side over in uh, Tonka, we went over yep. the east side over in Vanna Heights. Now we're sliding back to the northwest corner of the metropolitan area where Darn your right. number one Huskies are going to travel to your number nine Cougars in Centennial. That's right. Here's a top ten match. Well, remember, Centennial is not a city. It's just the name of the school. It's yeah, in Lionel Lakes. But Circle Pines. Circle Pines, Circle yes. Pines. What did I say? I, I didn't you said say, Lionel Lake. I said Lionel Lake. That's okay. They They're feed. Close. They feed into Centennial. It's well, like fine. a yeah. It's an area. It's up there. <laughs> it's up there. Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure I know who you're going to take, but let's just hear it just for the viewer's sake. I'm going to take. No, I'm going to take Andover. <laughs> I'm going to take Andover in this one. This is going to be a. I would say a good test, but. Obviously, it's a good test if you're playing the number one team in the state. This will be good for Centennial, though. You get a marker against the number one team in the state if you keep it within within two or three. You two. get a good yeah, performance out of Caitlin Gross. Hey, maybe you get a bounce here or there, but you're going to need more than a bounce here or there to top Andover. So I'm going to take the Huskies, but I think it'll be closer than most people might think. All right. I, I'm taking the Huskies as well. I, right. I'm i not going to ride in your coattails, but, yeah, it'd be fun for a, a great upset. I'd love to see the upset, but I think right now we're Centennials out there, not quite ready for that upset yet. Nope. But never know, down the road, maybe this year, maybe it won't be until next year. But for now, uh, best of luck to you. Um, I, I, we loaded on all three exactly the same way, but I think right. that – I know we mentioned this on 10 minutes with Tony Scott, Sean Moline, the head coach at Centennial. Oh, yes. First year as the head coach for the Cougars. Um, he was the youth coach for this Andover group, this just unreal junior and senior class for the Huskies. Sean was their coach throughout youth hockey. He knows these players. He knows what makes them tick. Um, I wouldn't say that there would be any mind games being played, but if – if Sean can break out the old mental Rolodex about how certain players react in certain situations, I wouldn't be surprised. But I hope it's fun for him. I hope that he loves watching uh, girls that he helped become the players they are today. I hope he has a good time watching them play, whether they're wearing his white and red or whether they're wearing uh, black and Vegas gold. Vegas gold. Vegas gold. No, it should be fun. That'd be cool to look across the ice and see players that you've seen since they were 8 or 10 I years old. I'm really bummed that I can't be. You have to make. You have to pick one. It's I either Vanda. Yeah, well, Van, yeah. Centennial's a little too far. Gosh dang! Hate to say, yeah. Sorry, anyway, I'll, de- I'll decide somewhere. We'll after get that. Show. We'll get that figured out for you. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, actually talk about one of those teams. We were uh, we have a couple of those teams in our big games of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, as we talk about some teams, we want you to get on your radar. We've uh, thrown them out there. Actually, we've talked about three of these teams, but let's start with. Um, which team you want to start with first? Let's just go that route instead of me running the ship here. Well, let, let's ride the hot hand with Gentry. Okay, sounds good. So Gentry's lone loss this season, three to two in overtime. These are these are a couple of teams popping up on our radar, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is Gentry Academy lost in overtime to South St. Paul, three to two. South St. Paul, a perennial power in Class A, not in on the whole unexpected loss. For Gentry, but they bounced back with three straight wins over Minneapolis, North St. Paul, Tartan, and of course over. Waro, this game against Stillwater, that'll be huge for their resume. A big win over Stillwater, I think, might push them into number one in the Class 1A rankings. Wow. Is that a hot sports take right there? No, it's not hot because if you beat 
the number one team in Class A, and then you beat a top seven team in Class Double A. That's that's a pretty good yeah, that's, that's resume a, that's booster. A, that is a yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there. That is a resume for moving on to the to the top spot. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting team. Haven't seen them play yet. Um, it looks like they got balance. Every player on the roster has recorded at least one point. I don't know how many teams can say that. They've that is, gotten good goaltending out of Maggie Vance and Riley Bartizal. I don't. Maybe they're more balanced than I give them credit for. But until I see them, I can't make a real judgment. I do like the fact that you know sometimes you get a team that's got one or two powerful offensive threats, but they're really. And mind you, I'm just looking at this as a quick sketch of their team, but they, I mean, they've got four girls. They've got nine or more points. Uh, Audrey Jackson lead the team with eight points, uh, eight goals, I'm sorry, and 12 points. Um, Juliana Gazdick, hope I'm saying that right. Yep. Um, she has a goal and nine assists. So it's always great when you have a, a player that just is always a helper, helper, helper. So, um, and then uh, Kara Sarajevic and Riley Reeves, um, they also got, you know, nine or more points. So it's, they got some players. They also got three players who got seven points. And, again, it goes down, up, and down that roster. So um, definitely a good play. But definitely want to put them on your radar as much as you may not believe in the Gentry Academy idea. To be honest with you, there's a lot of people are going to be like, what? Because I know, for example, Joe Cullen was on the, the boys' podcast a couple weeks ago. And uh, and he was up front, you know, because when he was going to take that job, it's like, you know, everybody that, you know, that grew up with him, they know he's just a – he's a public guy and, you know, the high school and um, – Going this gentry route, there was some names, some like, uh, I'm not sure you want to do that, but yeah, well, it feels like gentry is still kind of a new, yes, a new animal. And obviously, this year, this is their first time playing, um, girls high school hockey for the in the MSHSL, yeah. So, a new, a new animal for people to get used to. We got one more, we got another radar team here, Centennial. I know we just mentioned them, but uh, to dive a little bit deeper, they're relying a lot on hot goaltending, obviously, freshman Caitlin Gross. Uh, looks like she's following the Haley Hansen mold where, where she'll be one of the best goaltenders in the state for four years. Nine players on the Centennial roster are either freshmen or eighth graders. That bodes, if you, you're seven and one right now, one loss to Maple Grove, which is a top five class 2A team. If you're able to do that with nine players that can't drive yet, that looks pretty good. <laughs> they can the drive on the ice. Don't, don't tell me you're... Can, they can drive on the ice, they but they're, the ice. they're searching for rides to practice. Right. Uh, Megan Goudreau and Lauren O'Hara, two players, are leading Centennial in scoring. They each have 13 points. It looks like they're getting goals from pretty much everywhere. They look like they've got about a half dozen players that have at least one goal. So balance, youth, a coach that might be there for a little while, a good goaltender. All the ingredients are there for Centennial to become a player down the road. And the one more stat to throw at you. I know we've kind of thrown some of Caitlin Gross's. We've said her name one or, or more times here. About 50,000. But her goals allowed is 1.29, which is phenomenal, really. Yeah. But her save percentage is 9.53. Yeah. I mean, that is and sensational. She's not, she's not facing 12 shots a game either. She's had 193 pucks fired at her yes. face and given up only nine goals. She's also got three shutouts on So if the I do season. my math quick, she's averaging 27 and a half shots a game. It's pretty good. That's not bad. It's pretty good. Not bad. Why don't you uh, take us through Lakeville South? We'll float down to the uh, South Suburban, which is yes. your area of expertise. Lakeville South is kind of, uh, they popped on a radar because, uh, oh, I guess I should I should back up a little smidge. It leads into my, my public apology. I want to apologize for my hometown team, the Austin Packers, who ever since I talked about them and that they were on our radar, they've lost now. But, hey, good things are coming, so 
keep the fight in and, and keep it up. I know you're in a tough conference with Oatana and Northfield, who are both uh, on a tear right now, as well as Averly, who now is tied for that top. And the other team I want to apologize is Burnsville, because they are also uh, winless since I talked about them. Uh, but I know they're coming around. But the reason that Burnsville uh, got bumped down a little bit is because of this Lakeville South team. Uh, they are uh, prouding around. They are the number two team in the South Suburban. Uh, they've only got one loss in the season. That was the first game of the season against Eastview, and that was a 4-6 win, 4-6 uh, loss. So um, they've definitely got the momentum going as the season is gone. Uh, some of the players we should be watching for, obviously they've got a, they have Taylor uh, Atrumbla, who is the... Atremba. Atremba? What did I say? La? I put Atrumbla. That's all right. I misspelled, I misspelled it on my uh, my post-game skate tweet, too. It's all right. No, it's all good. I think she's used to it by now. I think so, but she is uh, she's obviously the front runner for the team and, and leading point scorer. She's got 14 goals, which is, is great right now, only through eight games. So she's averaging at least a goal, almost two a game. Um, she has 21 points in the season. Ryan Wright, who's got 13 assists. So I love it when there's a player on your team that just has that many assists. I, I am a bigger fan of the assist trick than I am of the <laughs> – of the hat trick. I really am. Okay. Because it's just, I, I, I put more value in because it's a player that's always in the right place, always looking for someone else, and they like the stats, but they also believe in the team the team victories. So if you have a you know eight games and she's got 13 assists, and she also put in three goals. So um, so credit to them as well as uh, Claire Enright, the old uh, Farmington gal. Uh, she's right up there with her, eight goals and seven assists for 15 points. So they got three really bona fide uh, playmakers on that team and scorers, and obviously they're led by uh, Lauren uh, Sorvari. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, through the eight games, she's got you know she's played every almost every single minute of that game of her, the games. Uh, she's got a two goals allowed average, and her save percentage is nine twenty six. So with two shutouts, so Lauren is doing the same thing that some of these great goalers. And I know it's been said once or twice. Right now, I feel like we're in a really good high school goalie scene. We're back to that. Sure. We've got some really good, especially we talked about Hanson. We have Casibo over at, at Maple, uh, Maple Grove, Grove um, and we've been talking about Centennial. And so and we're in that same boat where we've got um, just a, a talent, tons of goalie talent in there. So that's going to obviously help uh, North, uh, North, sorry, Lakeville <laughs> South. And what I like to call the SEC, which is the South Suburban, because they're just basically beating just each other. Mean, it just means more in the South Suburban. It does. So the nine nine five twos are all getting excited because it just keeps on keeps on clucking for them. So, yeah. uh, so make sure that you are keeping an eye on uh, the Cougars as they keep going. And I believe their next game is yep. They got a home game on Saturday. So they have a nice uh, after the Burnsville win on Tuesday. Uh, they go to e they play Egan on Saturday. So a nice little break for them. Yeah. So one thing I would like to see out of Lakeville South is a little more balanced scoring. That top line of Ryan Wright. Taylor Otremba and Claire Enright has 25 of the team's 31 goals this season. So maybe maybe another girl comes up with a with a few goals here or there, and then Lakeville South um, could put a put a bow on the number one seed in section one one for sure. Hey, um, speaking of bow, um, the segue here is been talking about a player that's doing a little <laughs> moving. Uh, so she put a bow on one. Put a bow career. on one chapter of her career. Yeah, one chapter is a better way, and then she's opening up a new chapter. Opening opening up a new box. Uh, junior forward Shea Messner has officially transferred from Breck to Holy Family. Um, one thing that we're never going to do on this show is play the Adam Schefter role. We're not going to simply report rumors. She's officially off the Breck roster and is playing junior varsity at Holy Family 
Catholic Messner had 13 goals and 21 points last season for the Mustangs. Uh, I don't remember how many points she had this season before transferring because she's been taken off the Breck roster. So it looks like Holy Family is going to pick up another quality forward. Messner, I don't believe, has made a Division I uh, verbal yet. She might find one of those down down the line, but that is, that's our last note on transfer moves for the season, I think. I think the window is closed. I hope so. The window is closed, as they say in Britain, when transfer season ends. Oh, wonderful. That was my British accent. What would you think of it? I think it was um, I think terrible. It was, I think it was fair. I think it was terrible. I think it was fair to partly cloudy, high in the mid-50s. I think it was awful. Well, that's fine, because <laughs> I'm here to pump you up. I'm not here to tear you down. That's all right. Why don't you, uh, why don't you mitt bump us for a little while and move yeah, on to Speaking of lifting up, let's, let's, uh, let's bring a little positivity into the field. I'd like to give a couple of mitt bumps out there. Um, this is more of a celebratory mitt bump, uh, uh, more toward the, the women's game on the United States scene as the Lamoureux sisters, the twin sisters, have officially retired as of this week. And... Uh, I'm not going to babble you with like how many points they have and stuff, but I, I guess the big piece I think that as I brought this idea up to, to Peter is we kind of want to recognize them a little bit because you know there's the Sedin brothers out in Vancouver, and I think it's one thing. I think the one thing that's kind of amazing is they they've rep, first of all they've represented the U.S. Here's some stats from a th- toss at you of the things that they have done. They have represented the U.S. in the last three Olympic winter games. They've won silver in 2010 and 2014, and in Vancouver and Sochi. And then they capture gold in Pyeong. I hope I say that right. I think um, it's Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang, that works out. PC, can I go with that? Uh, sh- <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, they helped the United States capture its six IIHF Women's Championship gold medals, also claiming a silver in 2012. So I think the cool thing, I think, is not just because you'll hear about a player that says, oh, you know, player A has done a great thing, and this is what she has done, and this is what she's done, and this is where she's gone, and this is what she's done. Mm-hmm. But to do it with your sister, and it's kind of the it's either me or it's either both of us or neither of us. And they've done that when they went through college, they went through pros, they went through Olympics. I think it's just amazing what they've done for the game. And and on top of that, not just because you're with your sister, but they're two of the, some of the best women in the United States of America in hockey. Yeah, I mean, you could extend their hockey resume to off the ice. Lamru Davidson and her sister. They led that movement from the players in USA Hockey that basically said, "We're, you know, if you don't increase our pay and our benefits, then I mean, we're done. We're just we're not going to do this anymore." So they they've earned those for other women in the game. They've done a lot for the game, both on and off the ice. Uh, we're honored to call them Upper Midwesterners, the Grand Forks natives. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to seeing what they do in the future. Now that they're not playing anymore, I think they can move some of that energy into advancing the women's professional game. And when you have two forces like Jocelyn and Monique behind any cause, uh, it generally works out for that cause. I think it does. I think especially right now where, and I think we said this last week or two weeks ago, where the where the women's professional league is sitting right now. I mean, obviously the bubble ex- you know, burst and all that stuff, but in the, in the troubles they're having with, you know, which league they're going to be in and, and salaries and stuff. I think when you've got two really not loud voices, just voices that are going to be heard because they're not just going to be somebody that just came along and said, Oh yeah, I know they're really good. I've seen you play a little bit. I think they're going to be some strong forces that people are going to be like, the there's, they're speaking. We're going to listen. 
and I think that's going to help the game just either get better or get more spoken for or heard, if I can say that. Yeah, fabulous ambassadors for the game. Jocelyn and Monique, our hats off to you, Todd. I have a tiny trivia question for you. Okay. Obviously, they're twins. Yep. They're close. How close do you think were their points? Oh, I thought you were going to say USA hockey careers. I thought you were going to say, like, which one's older. I was going to say Jocelyn's older by three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you just read that somewhere. No, I just off the top of my head, I've got, um, no, there's my son's friends. uh, They're they're a couple minutes apart. Uh, They're fraternal twins. But um, so, point wise, how close do you think they are? Over, I'll give you over under six and a half points. Just for the sake of argument, I'll just say I'll take the under. You're going to take the under? I'll take the it under. It is the under. Yeah. So Monique ended her USA hockey career with 62 goals and 143 points, and Jocelyn concluded her USA hockey career with 63 goals and 138 points. That's USA hockey. Boy, talk about twins. That's not man. your career. Like going from hey, when I was I in said college. USA hockey career. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's like... USA Hockey action. That's why I look at it. Not just like, hey, this is my career. It's North Dakota. Here's my career when I played in the in the, uh, in the the professional. This is like, this is your USA Hockey career. Well, my, my only point was that they were very close. They're very in close. Total career points. Well, and they're twins. And they're twins. They do everything in, they do everything in pairs. Everything together. A um, couple of things I want to throw at you quick. Uh, mid bumps usually we, we, we thought we'd switch up low as kind of a tribute to the gals there on their retirement, the Lamarill sisters, but I also want to kind of give you an update on some of the leaders. As we are, I don't know if we're at the halfway point here of the season. Um, we're coming up on the halfway close. point. We're getting close. I don't it, think we're there quite yet. We're close. There's we're like 40%. A, mm, I'd say more than that because if we have 18 games and there's some teams that have got seven or eight wins or they've played eight or seven or so eight. So 45%. Anyway. All right. So anyway, um, leading goal scorer of the season so far is Emma Connor with 18 from Edina. She obviously helped herself with a five-goal game on Tuesday. Um, assist leader of the state right now is Peyton Hemp from uh, Andover, she's got 17. And then uh, still in, in in the lead spot with points is Mercury Bischoff from the Grand Rapids Greenway team. She's got 27 points. So I have a feeling unless she starts putting things together, I think she's going to get passed up here pretty soon. <laughs> but, again, it depends on, you know, what the stats come up. But, anyway, uh, obviously. And then on the goalie side, we want to make some recognition to uh, Chisago Lakes, uh, Anna uh, Hansen, who has got seven wins on the season, and Andover's uh, goalie, Courtney Stagman, who is leading the state right now with her goals a lot of only .40. It's pretty good. She ain't giving up nothing. No, she's not. She's splitting time with Hannah Skavnik right now, uh, Andover in the enviable position of having – uh, a really, really high-quality player in Courtney Stagman, but also a Division I uh, commit in Hannah Skavnik. So they've split fairly evenly. Stagman's got five wins on the season. Skavnik's got three. Uh, Stagman with a 957 save percentage. Skavnik hasn't given up a goal yet. There yeah. you go. Could could use some more shots, though. Yeah. Could use some more shots. More seasoning, if you would. Hey, one more mint bump I want to throw out there, too. It's just a quick shout-out to Michaela Paul, uh, the former Rochester mayor and former... Uh, Rochester she, Mayo player. No, but she was also up for uh, goaltender of the year. Yeah. No, 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 you said Rochester mayor. Oh, did I say mayor? Yeah. I don't think she's old. Well, could you be... She could be the mayor in of college Rochester. and the mayor of Rochester. Yeah. Like legally, yes, but in any case, Rochester Mayo. Anyway, just it. want to give her some credit because she got a nice uh, as they um, uh, she stopped um, a million shots, a million shots. But she was part of the um, 
the victory over Wisconsin last weekend, and uh, she was stopping the shootout uh, attempt, so she was able to get that victory so far this season. Uh, she's one one in one. I mean, obviously they count that tie as a, a tie, but mm-hmm. uh, but she did stop it. But anyway, so I want to give some some kudos out to her because it was kind of cool to see her. Uh, she is getting some action this year, so it's uh, cool to see a former. Um, high school Minnesota gal that's getting some time up at the U. So that's really cool. Time uh, stamp. Now, we're going to flip around, but we're going to take a lot of time. That's because I know you guys are valuable out there, but we have to. This came up last night. Is it just um, – it, it for nothing, but it ticked us off. It didn't even fog the cage. It just went from, are you, are, are you kidding me? I think I, was, I think I was more confused than anything. Cause I don't know if I've ever seen a score – Quite like nineteen to nothing. So or, let me get Orono topping visitation. Yep. So that's the, we're, we're backing up a little night. bit because that was the the buzz came through and you know um, as as Peter gave the old buzz he said hey did you see this and all of a sudden you sometimes you see and you're like no that did not happen yeah so the part that frustrates us um, and I think I can I can limp uh, I can link Peter into this conversation is okay first of all the nineteen nothing is kind of it's gross. It's over the limits. It's where do you draw the line? And I know it's tough as a coach, and I know it's tough when you've got kids that maybe don't play as much. They might be third or fourth liners. And, of course, what are you looking right. to do as soon as you get some ice time? You want to try to score as much as possible. But there's also has to be somewhat of a – what's the word I'm thinking of? Not saying like a courtesy or some kind of respect level that when you just just do not let up on the dogs, you do not let up on the uh, – the tenacity when you're up 12 nothing after two periods and you haven't given up a shot on goal they might be a lesser team but but still um do something else so that it doesn't look unbelievably horrible um and the final score being 19 to nothing um orno had 30 shots in the first period they had 25 in the second they had 16 in the third period as they had a total of 71 shots on net um, and visitation had zero. Um, so in in my mind, I, and I've you know I've seen the other side of it where you've been thumped a couple of times, but there's also just let you just gotta let you gotta ease up a little bit. I don't care if you gotta have six passes before you shoot on that. And I know those fourth line girls out there, but I just couldn't believe it that Orno did that to another team. Uh, that's I thought that was kind of going over the boundaries, Peter. Uh, I think it's. There, there are no black and white situations. There are a million shades of gray. So in a situation like this, you run into the conundrum of what is more disrespectful to your opponent? Is it more disrespectful to pile on and score seven more goals in the third period after putting 12 on the board already? Or is it more disrespectful to quit and not shoot at all? Would the losing team, with the visit, would visitation, the Blazers... Would they want a team to simply give up and run the clock out? Would that be worse than having the Spartans put seven more on the board? I don't think there's a perfect answer to it. I don't know what you could... I've never been in a situation where my team has won by that much. I've been in a situation where my team has certainly lost by that much. We lost to Breck when I was a senior. I think the score was 14 to nothing. 14. Are you playing football? By chance? No, playing hockey. Un- unfortunately, losing by a by a, a Mustangs dozen in that game. So, as a player, I think I would want the team to keep playing. 
because then it gives me an excuse to maybe take out some frustrations on somebody else. True. But I don't think there's a perfect answer in this game. You just hate to see 19 to nothing. You hate to see 71 shots to nothing. But Another thing that, that kind of irks me a little bit is, is I look at the box score a little bit, and I a little bit, and I see some girls that scored in the third period, and they scored in the first and second period, and I know they're part of the top two lines of that team. Mm-hmm. Why are they in the third? Why are they playing the third period? Short bench, maybe. Not short enough, apparently. Not not short enough. That's just kind of your pad and your stats. So, um, so I guess that's. Um, I'm not sure where to go with that, except it, for I it just, looks like it breaks a bunch of records. Yeah, and your stats look great, and and I know that some you know in we've talked about other teams like you know for example, if you're playing superior and you're winning thirteen fourteen nothing, and you also have a five goal game. Yeah. Um, but I also have seen Emma Connor get five goals and like a seven one victory for Idana. Yeah. So. Seven seven one looks <laughs> seven oh one looks a lot better than looks a lot better. To I mean, just taking over a game as opposed to like, well, I'll just pass it to me one more time and I will see if I can get my fifth goal of the game and a game that is uh doesn't uh doesn't look good on, on paper. But anyway, so um keep your chins up. Those at visitation know it's it could be a tough season. Um but just keep your chin up. Uh, we are cheering for you. Uh, just and keep playing. Yep, keep playing. And hope you're you're playing for the right reason. And just keep having fun. That's all you can do. Just have fun at this part of it. So, so good luck to the Blazers and the rest of their season. Jump into uh, Chapter 8 here. Oh, yes. Our favorite chapter, our favorite segment, because we get to know Peter just a little bit more than maybe we knew him before. You lucky dogs. I am. So let's start with question number one for Peter. Peter, what is the last book that you read? The last book that I read cover to cover was a retread. I bought this book, gosh, five years ago. It's called The Cook-Up. It's by a guy named D. Watkins, and it's about a young man, D. himself. Um, he finds, let's put it this way, he finds some drugs, and mm. it's a very nuanced look at what the drug trade looks like in the inner city. The story is based in Baltimore. It's essentially an autobiography, but it's a lot more complicated than people would like to make it out to be, especially people who don't live in a place like Baltimore, where the divide is so stark. Let's put it this way. In Baltimore, you've got some areas where, you know, senators and Congress people live in their beautiful townhomes and security everywhere because they're very, very important politicians. And then less than a mile away, you have very impoverished areas. So the divide between the haves and the have-nots in a place like Baltimore is starker than the divide between the haves and the have-nots maybe anywhere else. Hmm. But The Cook-Up by D. Watkins, very interesting, gripping. You'll burn right through it, read it with an open mind, and you'll get something out of it. I know I did. There you go. So when we have our book club next week, you guys know what book you're gonna you're gonna grab. All right. Question number two, Peter. What is your favorite holiday? Ooh, my favorite holiday. Honestly, I think I like Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving for my family is a little bit different. There's not a lot of pressure. We don't have. I've got a sister and a brother-in-law and four nieces and nephews out in California, so they don't fly in just for Thanksgiving. That would be ridiculous. So six of my of my families in California, um, my brother-in-law and my sister and four more nieces and nephews live in St. Paul, but they also have other families that they want to be with. They might want to be with my brother-in-law and Tom's family. And my mom usually goes to California, so Thanksgiving turns into just my father and I 
um, eating fancy cheese that I buy at Whole Foods and <laughs> watching football. It's great. I, we watch football. Uh, we eat some cheese. I usually fall asleep on the couch and wake up halfway through the Cowboys game. Uh, no pressure, much less pressure than Christmas. Christmas is just a, a donkey show. But I like Thanksgiving. I'll go with Thanksgiving. All right. We'll give it to you. Nice and simple. And last question. Uh, do you have a lucky trinket, either as a small child or maybe as a grown adult? Oh, boy. As a small child, I never had one. As an adult, I used to wear rings on my left on my left hand. I had two silver ones that I would wear on my left index finger and then one gold one on my right ring finger. I don't wear those anymore, mainly because I eat too much salt. My fingers are too dang fat to handle those <laughs> stupid rings. But if I had to pick a trinket that goes with me pretty much everywhere, it would be oh, my little field notes notebook. Yes. I've been through three of them. They're bruised. They're battered. They're torn. Um, I keep pretty much everything in there, ranging from lists of players I need to get photos of to grocery lists to sad thoughts, happy thoughts. Mm. It's a weird mix of... Uh, reporter's notebook and diary. So I, I've always got a field notes notebook in my back pocket. Very cool. And Thank it's good you. luck and it's worked out well for you. So I appreciate that. Yeah. That and my inhaler two most important things I carry around <laughs> with myself. Yeah. And that uh, you got them both with you today. So that's why he's able to you know, talk on this podcast. So um, <laughs> let's put a bow, let's put a bow on this. Yeah. Let's put a bow. No more chapters. We have, uh, we've reached our max here. I do appreciate everybody listening. Um, uh, I'd like to thank Peter, obviously, for his knowledge and always his tireless research because... Thanks for having me, bro. Without him, this show would be just me talking, and that would be probably not worth listening to. <laughs> but <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. I know, but that's okay, though. But anyway, this is Todd Houck. Uh, I'd like to thank you again because it's not his ice. So and take, again, it never will be. No. So Ever. Ta- take care of yourself and each other, and we'll talk to you next time. Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool All about the bounce in my step Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget Used to keep it cool